It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. In between games versus the Boston Celtics, there's a bigger picture that we can look at, beginning with the return of Jimmy Butler and Victor Lodipo and more. Plus, are the Heat poised for a second-half turnaround to their season? And what should Bam's level of responsibility on this team be? We answer five burning questions on today's Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat. Your daily Miami Heat podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on all things Miami Heat. However, you might be tuning in on YouTube Odyssey or on your favorite podcast app. Thank you for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. I'm Wes Goldberg here with David Ramil. Five burning questions today. We've got questions about if the Heat can turn their season around. Bam Adebayo admitting that he has clashed with Eric Spolstra in the past and whether the Heat should tank. Let's start with the news that Jimmy Butler expected to make his return for the Heat tonight against the Celtics' most recent injury report has him listed as questionable, which of course is an upgrade from the fact that he hasn't played since November 16th. How big of a difference is he going to make tonight if he does indeed play as we expect? And then zooming out, uh, does it feel like the Heat are finally starting to get healthy, David? Well, I'll answer the second part first. Yes, it's at, yes and no, because at some point, every player on this team is going to break down, if not for the first time, probably break down again. I, I think that's just the nature of this group being somewhat older, the way that they're pushed in practice. And because there's a bigger picture regarding preserving everybody for the playoffs, they can afford to sit out games in February, March, although you know, not too many games considering they're kind of in a hole in terms of their overall record right now. But the assumption would be that if they do stay healthy over the next month or two, they can right the ship of sorts and then eventually maybe take some games off if necessary. They probably could play through some of these minor injuries that they've incurred over the first few weeks of the season. We know that Jimmy would have probably played on one leg in last year's playoffs if given the choice, but uh, I, I expect him to miss some time again 
in the future of this regular season, but I don't think I don't think it necessarily matters either. Having said all that, in terms of his overall impact, once he does return on Friday, it'll be huge. I think he'll be rested. I don't think he's a type of player like Tyler who's going to accumulate rest. Uh, if anything, I'm pretty sure that Jimmy's probably been practicing. I think he's also his game is so steady and consistent in terms of his ability to get to the rim, slow the pace down draw fouls on opponents, make plays for others, play defense at a high level. All those things should translate. I don't know that to my recollection, when Jimmy does return from injury, I don't know that he's ever looked rusty or like Mm -hmm. it just needs a few games in order to get back into it. I assume that he's going to slide right into the version of Jimmy that we've always expected. And again, he's not that 40 point per game score. So it's not like he's a scoring first player like Jason Tatum, Tyler Hero, or anybody else along those lines. So he's going to go in there, get 18 to 20 points, play high-level defense, make plays for others, and make a positive impact because that's just who Jimmy Butler is. Um, you mentioned Jason Tatum there. The Heat not having anybody to functionally guard Tatum in the game. Oh, yeah. uh, the, he, he completely broke down Miami's zone, a zone that the Heat have had to go to more with Jimmy Butler out. They've always been a zone team, but they're going to break every record for how much a defense plays zone this season if they keep on this pace. And a big part of that is because they don't really have a, a defensive stopper. Caleb Martin can guard bigger wings, but you really kind of want him guarding other guards more often than not, or sort of playing up against power forwards who don't really handle the ball all that much. And he can kind of hold his own when he's fronting in those positions, but not having Jimmy Butler to guard Jason Tatum. That's why Jason Tatum goes off for 49 points. I don't know. There's probably no other scene all season long, David, that captures exactly what Miami season has been thus far. than Udonis Haslam having to guard Jason Tatum out on the perimeter and Tatum just, blowing right by him like he wasn't even there Hard. so right Hard. so yeah. <laughs> um having Jimmy Butler back is going to be helpful hugely because of what he could do defensively but also obviously what he could do offensively in terms of again zooming out on on whether or not the heater starting to get healthy we also have reports that Victor Oladipo practiced fully mm-hmm. for the first time this season uh during this trip and uh he's not going to play on this trip but it does appear that his return is getting closer there's a light at the end of the tunnel and uh, and so that's good news for the Heat as well. When you have Victor Oladipo potentially filling in that six-man role that he was supposed to fill going into the season, asking a lot less of Max Drews, less of Gabe Vincent, and these guys, if you get Jimmy and Victor Oladipo back, all we're really talking about missing now is Omer Yurtsevin. No real update on his status, but Dwayne Dedman has been pretty decent. He's been also upgraded to questionable, dealing with the foot thing. Uh, Nikola Jovic upgraded back to questionable. You're starting to get guys back now, and that's what it's going to take if the Heat are going to turn things around, right? Absolutely. Uh, I'm at a point now, unfortunately, where I'm just not expecting much from Victor once he does return. There's still questions about how he'll fit, to what level he'll contribute. It'll be great to see him out there in any capacity, just from a, a human perspective. The fact that he's going to be back from injury, I just I just don't think we're, any of us are capable at this point of expecting a lot from him. I know the expectations during the offseason were probably unfair and far too high from you, me, and others. Uh, And and looking at where he's been since then, obviously he hasn't been able to play much. He had a a brief preseason where he had some flashes and not much else. And I just don't know that he's ever going to get back to even close to fully healthy. Uh, I don't even know if he'll be, if he does come back and look, I think that he and Victor have both been extremely cautious and for good reason. Again, to my point earlier, I just also don't think that he's going to be available for the next 60 games anyway, if he does wind up playing soon, but yeah, hopefully he'll go out there and be able to provide some spark because it's important for the players to see him out there and for him to buy into his role, which I think is still a huge question mark for him and the team. Maybe just show what he can do ahead of, 
trade season starting. We got a question about that later, too. Uh-huh. But Kyle G. Jones writes in, are the Heat poised to do what Boston did last year, have a slow start, but then make a turn in January to rep in the East in the NBA Finals? David, I got to say, probably not, because right. I think this is just two very different kinds of teams what boston was last year and what the heat are a lot boston last year was a team still trying to figure itself out you've got right. jason tatum and jalen brown figuring out how to play with each other marcus smart calling them out publicly saying that they need to pass more a new coach and uh Ime Oduka at that point trying to figure out the what schemes he wants to run on both ends of the court right. that was a team on the rise young trying to figure itself out the heat know exactly what it is that they are they're just a injured and b just trying to hold on to whatever it is that that they are right we got jimmy butler at 33 kyle lowry going on 37 years old this is a team just trying to hold on while boston was a team on the rise figuring itself out so i don't think that their ceiling as currently constructed is the nba finals i i know we just talked about guys coming back getting healthy i think they can go on a run here right starting in december when when you get your guys back but a run to the point of making the nba finals i just i don't know if i see that and I don't, and I don't see it with that level of dominance that the Boston Celtics had from January on. That's a good point. I, I don't either. I, I mean, we have to kind of look. It's, it's the Boston Celtics, Miami, challenge them in the Eastern Conference Finals and everything else. But during the regular season, towards that second half of the season, they were dominant, especially defensively. One of the best defensive teams of all time. They put up some incredible numbers. And yes, to your point, they were trying to figure it out. You have. Jalen Brown, who was whose star was rising, You're trying to coexist with Jason Tatum, the already established star. Marcus Smart still, you know, wanting to make an impact and, and the voice in that locker room that kind of gets everybody going. You're incorporating a new coach. You have to kind of hit a culture reset. That's never been the case in Miami. Yeah, they've had ups and downs and inconsistencies throughout the years, but there's always been a steady through line of the team's culture since 1995 when a certain Pat Riley joined the front office, and that's always going to be the case. Like You have players that are missing, players that are available. You have the changes in your, your star player, but there's a, an idea and a belief that's been very, very consistent in defining what this team is. So I just don't see that getting any kind of spark or jolt I think to your point, exactly, it's going to be more of a, you know, they're going to win more games than they did over the first 20 games of the season. And that's fair to expect. I just don't think it's going to be such an incredible transformation, like a night and day type shift, right? the way the Boston Celtics went through last year, where they were a bad team to start the season, and then they were a very, very good team. Just this Heat roster doesn't seem either that bad nor capable of being that good to have that kind of high-level transformation. Yeah, it shouldn't be a loss also how broken the Celtics looked at the first half of last season. The Heat are are broken because of their injuries, but Boston seemed like, to your point, just culturally in shambles, like no way out. So their turnaround was just so extreme. I don't think we've ever seen anything like that midseason, where the Heat, you know, you see teams like this all the time. They're, They're injured to start the year, they get healthy, they go on a run. They make the playoffs. I think ultimately that's what we're talking about here for Miami. I, w- I will say that a midseason trade could absolutely provide oh, a spark. Sure. We saw that in 2019-20 when they acquired Andre Guadalla and Jay Crowder. But it also took, you know, it took a six-month hiatus with the Orlando bubble and everything else that happened there for them to be able to coalesce as a group and yeah. focus on one primary goal of winning. I, I think when you can have that laser-like focus in that kind of environment, considering the scare, the health scare around the country and the world, all the social justice issues that were manifesting on a near daily basis, all those things kind of drove them to say, you know what, at least we're here, we're in Orlando, we can focus just on basketball. But you know, if they have an, a midseason trade this year, 
again, it could provide a spark, if, especially if you move the right player that might not be contributing at a high level. You can get somebody in return that feels, you know what, I'm committed to a great organization like Miami. I want to help them get on track. I want to help propel them into the finals or, you know, making yeah. a deep playoff run. Let's be more realistic. I could see that happening as well. Bam admitted that he's clashed with Spo about his role on the Heat. Should Heat fans blame Spo for Bam not being aggressive enough over the past few seasons? That's next. But first, today's episode of Locked on Heat is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for your sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. They have it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. New odds on MVP, Sixth Man of the Year, Rookie of the Year. All that stuff is out now on BetOnline as well. As always, you can do your NBA betting futures on who you think will make the NBA Finals, who will win the NBA Finals, and all those things. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Thank you for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Our next question, in our friend Rohan Nedkarni's latest for Sports Illustrated, Bam Adebayo admits to clashing with head coach Eric Spolster over his role, saying, quote, I want to have a bigger responsibility. David, what do you think of Bam's comment? I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it in the least. I'd be 100% honest with you. And the reason why is because three years ago, almost to the day, I wrote a feature on Bam and talked to him. And the thing that he kept reiterating to me is that, you know, yeah, I've been talking to Spo. I want to I, I, I want to tell him, I, I want him to let this dog off the leash for his exact words to me. And I remember thinking, oh, wow, that's, that's incredible. I didn't realize that there was this, you know, kind of friction going on where he was telling you don't take those jumpers or don't do so much offensively. And that's why I'm calling absolute BS. Because in the three years since then, I don't think Spo's told him consciously, verbally, directly or otherwise no don't do this don't do that your role is to do this that and the other a minor role i think we've seen it time and time again from bam his willingness to take those shots his ability to take those shots are what's more questionable than whether or not he has the authority to do so so i absolutely don't buy that for a second i think there might be a smidge of that where it's like hey man we've got jimmy butler who wants the ball in his hands or we've got you who's a little tentative with the ball in his hands i'm gonna give the ball to jimmy butler Having said that, I think Bam has as green a light as you're going to get. We heard from Eric Spolster recently gushing about the level of responsibility that he has this season because his offensive numbers are on the uptick. 
But the, the potential for that was there last year and the year before that, too. And it really fell on Bam's shoulders not to take advantage of those opportunities. So I, I, I'm I, just not buying it. I don't know yeah. how you see about how you feel. No, about I, I think that, first of all, this quote has been taking way out of context. It's been making the rounds on sure. social media, and it's partly our fault. People like, I just basically did that. I took the quote out of context. But really just to get the conversation started here, Rohan actually did a good job of providing the context that's needed. Um, I, I would be, you know... Not surprised at all if most people responding to this didn't even read Rohan's piece because people just don't <laughs> read these days. So go ahead and read Rohan's piece if you're concerned about Bam and Spoke clashing because this is not a clashing. This is a coach being a coach and a player being a player. And a coach basically just steering Bam in the right direction. There has been so much made of like pick up Bam at a bio. And Rohan wrote about this in his piece. Pick up Bam. Here's the yeah. – and fans, hey, why don't you just be pick up Bam in the NBA? Here's one reason why. Because the NBA isn't a pickup game. Because in the NBA, what? you're playing against NBA athletes. There's uh, plays to run and defensive schemes to execute. Um, Spolstra has, on many occasions, talked about how much responsibility Bam has on both ends of the court. And I just think that, yeah, Bam taking threes is probably not a good shot for him at this point in his career. So don't. And I know that he doesn't pick up games. But what do, what do we see from these pickup games? Highlights, things posted on Instagram, stuff like that. Who knows how many of these things he missed? He looks good. He has gotten better. He's starting to incorporate some of that dribble pull-up stuff that we saw from pickup BAM into NBA BAM. And that stuff is 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 good, but it's a slow development. And you got to get there. And it is so much harder to do on the NBA level. I know that he was playing with Donovan Mitchell on his own team too, but you're also trying to make sure other guys get the ball. Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero, it's Kyle Lowry, Lowry all those other things. Like so <laughs> I just I, – I, I get why – I don't think this is clashing – in a, in a negative sense, but I do, I think I disagree with you a little bit in that I don't think it's BS. I do think that Spo has tried to hold Bam back a little bit in terms of what it is that, maybe not hold back, that's not even the right phrase, but just sort of have Bam in a controlled role within okay, the construct of a team, well, which right? again, that's coaching. That's what this is. This is not unique to Spo sure. or any other coach who has ever coached an NBA player. Next question. December 15th is coming up. The day players who signed new contracts this past summer become trade eligible four heat players qualify caleb martin victor oladipo Dwayne dedman and udonis haslam so david i want you to rank these in order of most likely to get traded to least likely to get traded so caleb martin victor oladipo Dwayne dedman udonis haslam which among them do you find most likely to get traded after december 15th uh least likely udonis haslam one there's no market for him i don't think they're willing to move him uh, whatever his salary Least might be, yep. they're not going to get something in no. return for that. So let's just say UD's a lock to stay here beyond. Yeah, I just included uh, him in the list for accuracy purposes. Well, <laughs> I got you. Uh, Caleb Martin is third just because okay. he's simply too valuable. Now, I don't think that they wouldn't be willing to move him if you can acquire a significantly proven player that fits a positional need at the four. Like whatever spark Caleb provides. That's great, but if you can get a really, really good power forward that can fit the bill, and I'm not putting a name out there or anything like that, I'm not even sure. suggesting it. Yeah, I, I think yes, they'd be willing with to you. trade him. You would uh, have Caleb Martin uh, is almost one of weirdly one of the more untradeable players on this team because of the fact that he's their only functional guy playing the four right now, um, who can even do it on a night to night basis. So yeah, you're right. Like it would have to be a pretty big upgrade at that position also considering how valuable he's been on that con you called him Would recently the most caleb valuable martin contract in the KD trade kind of thing right exactly okay so caleb martin i agree it's and haslam and then caleb and then and then after that 
Yeah, then I would say Victor Oladipo just because of the questions about whether or not he can perform. It's again, you're trying to find a taker for that contract. Uh, he's got an option year next year. Uh, there's a lot of questions about what kind of level of contribution he could provide, whether or not he's going to break down again. Too many question marks about that. I'm sure the Heat would love to be able to move that contract again in exchange for a player that they think could contribute at a higher level than what Victor is potentially, because again, we haven't even seen what he can do, potentially able to contribute. So I think Victor is second, first most Dwayne Dedman. Uh, again, an older center. He's getting paid a hefty-ish sum, uh, and he's had some good games, but he's also had some games where he, he looks every bit his age and not quite as yeah. explosive or athletic. And if you can get an upgrade at that position, particularly if you think that Omer Yurtsevin is going to return sooner rather than later and be able to be a better player at that position, then yes, I think Dwayne is probably the most likely uh, player to get traded. So that's the key there. What's the deal with Omer Yurtsevin? Because as many injury updates as we've gotten recently – um, we really haven't gotten anything new in terms of an update uh, on Yurtsevin. And so I, I would flip your list. I would flip Victor Oladipo and Dwayne Dedman. And although okay. I think it's pretty unlikely that either of them get traded at this point, because I'm not sure any team wants Dwayne Dedman at $4 million a year right now. Um, and uh, the Heat need his presence. He's their only backup center on the roster right now, depending on Yurtsevin's availability and his potential return date. So I actually think that the Heat are going to shop Victor Oladipo, and I wouldn't be, and this is not reporting, but this is just sort of my sense, I wouldn't be shocked if they were pretty aggressive in trying to shop Victor Oladipo in that $8.7 million contract or whatever it is, and then trying to duck that player option that Vic has for next year. It just hasn't really worked. I don't know what Victor Oladipo's outlook is. I think these next couple of weeks are going to be really telling, on depending on what he looks like and things like that. But, you know, there could be a team with a bad contract willing to flip that bad contract for Miami's bad contract and kind of something like that in terms of Oladipo. So I would probably say Oladipo weirdly is the most likely to get traded also because you can almost sell that to your fan base. Like, Hey, Victor Oladipo, former all NBA guy. Let's see what he's got left versus Dwayne Dedman. You're like $4 million a year backup center at 33 years old. Like, I feel like there's GMs probably willing to take a chance on Vic more so at this point than Dwayne Dedman, maybe the Lakers. Um, Should the heat tank? You're not going to believe this, but I think David and I are going to agree on that answer. That's coming up next here on Locked on Heat. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. To submit questions in the future, send them to LockedOnEat at gmail.com. This next one comes from Dylan, who writes in, Should the Heat try to tank this season despite the recent success that the Heat have been seeing? 
I already know how David will feel about this, but we have a lottery protected pick this year. So if our record is low enough by season's end, there's a chance we can get a great talent. We're in need of a new point guard since Kyle Lowry is going to retire soon. Uh, first of all, just a point of correction here. The Heat's lottery protected pick owed to OKC. That's not for 2023. That's for 2025. So Miami still has a 2023 pick regardless of what's going on. Um, so if Miami tanks, they, like they have their pick, but that, that lottery protected pick that Dylan is referencing, that's 2025, not 2023. Um, David, I already know that you don't want the heat to tank. You, you are anti-tanking, you're anti-draft picks. You're also anti-championships. You're just, you're, you're 50 oh. wins a season is your sweet spot, but good vibes, baby. That's all that matters. <laughs> I, I don't think that the heat should try to tank this season. I don't. I think it's too late for that is the big reason. As much as you would love a, a talent like Victor Webinyama or Scoot Henderson or somebody like that, a transformative kind of talent, and we know that the Heat have a talent deficit and that they're in need of another star, and that's a quick way to get a star is to get them through the draft. But, um, Well, a potential starting. Fair enough. I know that you think Max Struess is better than Webinyama, but that's fine. Um, well, he actually is in the NBA, so yes, he is better. <laughs> the Heat already have twice as many wins as three different teams. Um, they have twice as many wins as as Detroit, Orlando, and Houston. The Spurs and the Hornets are sitting there with six wins apiece. Miami's already at, already up to ten wins. Okay, so Oof, just burning. we're a quarter away to the season. It's really hard to be worse by season's end than those than that group of five teams. And when you're tanking, what you're really talking about is being one of the worst. If like an aggressive tanking team. What you're really talking about is being one of the worst four teams in the NBA because at that point, you have all the same odds, the worst four teams, worst four records, same odds to end up with the first pick in the draft. This is a draft in particular where you're going to want one of the first two picks. Obviously, you'd prefer Webb and Yama. Scoot Henderson would be probably the number one pick in most any other draft if not for Wemby. So the, 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 the route to Miami being as having one of the worst four records in the league when those guys are already stinking it up, the way that they are, that's tough. I don't even know how they get there besides blowing it up completely, trading Jimmy, not just Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry, that I know there's a certain segment of Heat fans being willing to do that, but you can't be that bad if you have Bam Adebayo on the roster either. It would take a complete teardown. That's the point. It would be a complete teardown, and and I'm sorry. You tear that down, I know you're going to get players back, all that kind of stuff. Also, tearing it down midseason that way, the way that the Utah Jazz basically just tore that, that's so hard to do in the middle of a year. Like there's not a lot of trades out there that make that feasible. So I, it's just, it, it's not doable. And so I would say, no, should they No, Because they just, because they can't, they can't really go that route. It doesn't make any sense. So that's where I'm at. Yeah. You want, you want to add anything? That, no. Yeah. Being that hard, uh, being that sucks, that, that hard, uh, hard sucking that bad actually is really, really hard. Like yeah. you have to work at it, you know, yeah. uh, as an organization. Yeah. It's like there are teams that have been committing to sucking for a long time, like Houston, Orlando and others. And they're still, you know, they're, they're, they're still win a fair amount of games here and there, uh, not to get the first seed or the first pick in the draft. So it, it's, it, you have to really lean into it. Having said that, the key to this is a, the loss of Bam and Abayo due to season ending injury. If he hurt, it gets hurt against Boston. Then that's it. Then you can start exploring a trade for Jimmy, et cetera. And then you can start looking mm-hmm. at, you know, whether or not you can go ahead and say, you know what, we're not going to win any, we're not going to win 20, 30 games. And he, and then even then you're still like competing against teams that are just naturally 
much worse right now. Like you said, they've been working for years to be this bad. They've been working for years to be. San Antonio has been planning a run at Victor Webinyama seemingly for three seasons already. So it's it's hard to out tank. It's a it's a good point. It's hard to be that bad sometimes. Billy from Cleveland writes in. So I think Pat Riley. This is a lengthy one, so so stay with us here. But I think it's a good one. So I think Pat Riley should never run a roster back ever again. I feel like every time he runs it back, the season goes just like this. Look at the pattern. When he doesn't add a playoff-level rotation piece, they fall short. I briefly summarized every time we had we have had to choose between run it back or add-slash-replace rotation pieces since the addition of Shaq, and the pattern is blatantly clear. Heat culture is too draining to run it back without retooling and supporting cast in some meaningful way. So here is Billy's list. Uh, after adding Shaquille O'Neal in 2005-2006, 52-30, Heat won the championship. Um, run it back, no rotation additions in 2006-2007, 44-38, first-round exit. Uh, in 2010, they add LeBron, uh, Chris Bosh re-signed uh, Dwayne Wade. Runner-up uh, to the Dallas Mavericks, obviously losing in the finals next year. Add Shane Battier, Norris Cole. Team goes 46-20 during the lockout year. They win the championship. Following year. They don't run it back. They add Ray Allen, Rashard Lewis, Birdman. They win the championship. They go 66 and 16. The next year, following the 66 win year, they basically run it back. All they do is add Michael Beasley, 58 and 24, great year, losing to the Spurs in 2014. Fast forward to 2014. Revamp the roster. After LeBron leaves, adds Goran Dragic, Lou Aldang. They missed the playoffs, but Chris Bosch, blood clots, all that kind of stuff hampered their season. Um, they add Tyler Johnson, Hassan Whiteside, Joe Johnson, Justice Winslow, Josh Richardson for the 2015-16 season. Second round exit. I believe that was seven games against Toronto and still without without the Chris Bosh stuff. Uh, Dwayne Wade leaves. Bosh forced into retirement. They add Deion Waiters, James Johnson, Wade Ellington, Luke Babbitt, our favorite over here. They go 41-41, and 41, miss the playoffs. Um, and then the next year, draft Bam Adebayo, add Kelly Olenek, uh, first round exit in 2017-18. Run it back. They missed the playoffs in 2018-2019. Back again to Jimmy Butler. They add Jimmy Butler, Jay Crowder, Andre Gudala, promote Duncan Robinson in 2019-2020. Uh, lose to the Lakers in the NBA Finals. Next year, run it back. They replace Jay Crowder with Trevor Ariza. We all know how that ended up. First round sweep to the Milwaukee Bucks. Next year, they add Kyle Lowry and P.J. Tucker. Conference Finals, Game 7, Boston Celtics. And now this year, you lose P.J. Tucker and Markeith Morris, basically running it back, and you get out to a 7-10 and 10 start. They are 10-11 and 11 right now. Uh, David, what do you make of Billy's breakdown? It's, it's fair. I, I think, you know, you can point to uh, the way that this team has been built, right? It's not, it's not, it's mostly with free agents or, you know, a, you know, a big trade or something like that. And, and even those big acquisitions only wound up lasting for a number of years in Miami. LeBron was only here for four. We only really got four full years of Chris Bosh. Shaq was only here for three seasons, et cetera. So there's a pattern of that. And given that, it's not like other contending teams. Like, look at the Golden State Warriors. They had Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green under contract for all those, and then they wound up adding a really, really high-level star in Kevin Durant. So it's not easy to continue that or have that kind of continued stability and excellence for a prolonged period of time. So it's always going to look that way to some degree. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure Raptors fans could probably point to the fact that they won the title and then they lost Kawhi. They didn't add anybody along those lines to replace them. And so, yeah, you wind up being a, a somewhat mediocre playoff team. Sure, yeah, when you season. lose a player of LeBron's caliber, 
you're going to be bad. Even like to your to your point, even the Warriors lose Kevin Durant, they don't make the playoffs for two years. Now Steph got hurt and there, Clay got hurt and there's stuff there, but that kind of is the pattern um, as, as things go in the NBA. But I will say this to Billy's point, I think this is the right one. Pat Riley does tend to hang on a little bit too long. Yes. And, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. And you look at that versus a team like the Utah Jazz or the L.A. Clippers, who the Clippers, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, could they have made a run again with that core and won another 50 games as they had? Yeah, for sure they could have. But they decided to cut bait early, and they ended up getting a bunch of assets and a bunch of stuff back, and they kind of went sideways with it with Kawhi and PG, maybe didn't make all the right decisions, but were primed and able to make that kind of move and rebuild quickly. Utah, right now, did they cut bait a year too short on Donovan Mitchell and, and Rudy Gobert? You could argue that they did. That's an, another 50-win team every year, top three in the Western Conference every single season. You wonder if they could have broken through, but ultimately what happened? They, they cut bait and got a bunch of stuff for both of those guys in a way that I don't know that Pat Riley has ever made that kind of trade. Instead, he sort of just lets it age and wither and die, and that's kind of the old-school approach is that you owe it to your players to give them the chance to keep knocking until they break down the door. But sometimes, from a front office perspective, it does make sense to, to even if it's a year too early, to do it a year too early so that you start getting stuff back and you're able to retool. Danny Ainge, Boston Celtics, letting Ke- uh, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, uh, Rajon, all those guys, trading them everybody to the Brooklyn Nets, maybe a year too early because those that, that team went to the playoffs, that core went to the playoffs with the Nets the next year, but they weren't a play, they weren't a finals contender. They were a playoff team, and that's a big difference. And then what happened? That gave them the ground, the, the, the framework to go out and draft Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and this group that is dominating the NBA right now. So, yeah, I do think Pat Riley has a tendency to just hang on for sure a year or for two sure. too long. I think it's the former player, like the humanity in him, right? That he sees it for that perspective, having been a journeyman himself. You don't necessarily want to trade him. And it looks the way he talked in 2014 about having the guts. That's been the snippet that everybody takes from that. But it's about keeping the stability of your core, right? And and that's the thing. I think he really believes in if you've got a superstar core, and that group certainly did with the big three, and you keep that going, it's all about adding you know rotation players that can contribute yeah. at a high level. It's you know that's the important thing is to establish that core and keep it together, unless you know the disease of more starts to kick in. Having said all that, in 2005 represents the only time that he's actually said, you know what, we're in the middle of a huge you know, a window right now or a limited window right now with Shaquille O'Neal aging Dwayne Wade at his peak or entering his peak. We need to capitalize it on, on this. We need to capitalize right away. They traded Eddie Jones. They traded all these. That was more similar to like the trading justice Winslow in that group for Iggy and, and, and those guys, but you already had your, you had Shaq and D Wade. So I don't know that that's, that's not necessarily like cutting bait on the team. That's just sort of regrouping around your core. But it's not running it back. Though. It's that's not running thing, it back. No, but that's not. I, I think what I'm talking about, though, is like holding on to the the, the core guys, the star guys. I think even that. But why wouldn't he keep those? Right. Like, why wouldn't he keep those core players? Well, you could. I mean, no, they I won the championship. That, is, no, I, I think no. Pat Riley's greatest else. strength is identifying who the core pieces are and mm-hmm. then supplementing those core pieces with the right role players. I think that's Pat Riley's greatest strength as a front office guy. Uh, but I would say probably his biggest weakness is sometimes misidentifying those guys and saying, you know what, we're going to give Hassan Whiteside this big contract. We're going to go ahead and give James I, Johnson and, and I, Dion I, I mean, Waiters I've been a funk contracts. all morning considering Al Horford 
got a two-year extension. In the meantime, Hassan Whiteside is doing God knows what and had been out of the league and basically been out of the league for the last three years, right? I mean, it's just they could have signed Al Harper and said they wound up signing Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it it's tough, right? And so, look, I, I do think if we're really going to talk about this realistically, there is no way that the Heat were going to blow it up after going to Game 7 of the Eastern Conference. You just don't. No team, Nobody does that. You're a shot within making the NBA Finals. It was a little smoke and mirrorsy. It did require a, a, a terrible just breakdown by the Boston Celtics at the end of that Game 7 as well. Uh, things went Miami's way to a certain degree, but things also didn't go their way in terms of health and all these other things. But you don't get that close and then blow it up. You just don't do it. I do think that based, if you can't swing a trade, because I think the, the core for this team, maybe what's that, it's, Jim, it's Jimmy, it's, it's Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, and and Bam Adebayo. That to me is what I think. Not and Tyler Hero. I, I would put Tyler Hero in there. And the only reason I wouldn't put Tyler Hero in there is because he's the only realistic piece that you could trade to upgrade the roster. And that's what I was about to say was if you can't swing a D, de- I think this team's window is pretty much closed, but that doesn't mean it can't oh. get propped open again with the right trade. Okay. This team, this 14 man roster is not winning a championship. That does not mean this core's window is closed. So I think that if you could swing that trade to get that star that they've been looking for over the last couple of years, then that props the window back open. But if that trade does not materialize, David, I do think that you need to look the other way and not hold on to this group, this core, these guys a year too long. And you have to start exploring maybe trading Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry. Maybe not Bam or Tyler. You focus going younger, but you could get a lot back for somebody like Jimmy Butler at this point. I still think that. So um, it depends on the team, but like a team like the Dallas Mavericks, they wouldn't give up every first round pick that they have to finally put another star next to Luka. They probably would. Teams like that. So I don't know. I just think it's something worth exploring. Um, Final question here. Are you got any more thoughts on that? No, I mean, we could go, we could make a whole episode about just that, to be honest with you. Friday is national bartender day. Which Mm. heat player would you put in the following bar character roles? Okay. Mm. So we've got bartender, bar manager, happy hour bar patron, the bar fly who's been here since 1130 in the morning, and the person with too much control over touch tunes. Okay. So I got bartender, Uh bar manager, Uh bar fly. Yep. Who else? The bar, fly, the bar fly who's been here since 11.30 in the morning. The happy hour uh, bar patron. So just came in after a day of work, wants a cold right, one. Right, right. And then person and with then, too much control over touch tunes. Uh, who would I prefer or who's most likely? Most likely. Who, who, who fit? You're, you're, you're casting, well, you're casting right a movie. This guy is definitely Jimmy Butler, right? He's going to go in there. He's going to play a hell of a lot of touch of tunes guys. Music. Jimmy Butler, he's, you're right. He's going to piss everybody off, but you know what? It's, it's going to be a lot of people are like, why so much country music? He is actually the touch tunes guy in the Miami Heat locker room after games, yeah. right? And so and they're not happy about it either. Well, I think the Heat players don't really care, but it's mostly the reporters and the media relations team that's a little annoyed by it. But yeah, Jimmy Butler blasting his Kenny Chesney and whatever he listens to. So uh, you're right. Yeah, he's going to be the guy with too much control over touch tunes. Um, the bartender, uh, I mean, you got to go Gabe Vincent, right? He's the, the child of two psychologists. I think it kind of translates, uh, you know, yeah. everybody yeah, loves he's, him. Uh, he's, I, <laughs> I can picture Gabe Vincent with the white cloth shining up a, a rocks glass. I say, what's the problem, man? Why the long face? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm yeah, with you. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, hey, if he really fluffs up the afro, he could look like that guy Isaac from The Love Boat. I mean, that's probably a dated <laughs> reference, but uh, it kind of works, too. Uh, 
You don't get it? You've no. never seen The Love Boat? Even, no. Oh, wow, it's an old rerun, I guess, but everybody should everybody should watch it at one point or another. Anyway, uh, so yeah, Gabe Vincent, bartender for sure. Barfly, the guy who's just always there, moping, miserable. Uh, Duncan. Oh, I was. He's I didn't got, want you to say it. I didn't want you to say it, but that's where I was he's going. Got the, he's got the sad sack face, you know. He's just Sometimes. been there. It's all that's, yeah. that's yeah. That's just just dunk. You just leave him alone. He's got his drink of choice there. <laughs> he hasn't made a three in a month. <laughs> so uh, bar so manager. Who's the guy who takes wait, wait, wait. Hold on. I, I'm oh, not God. done with bar. I'm not done with Barfly though. Um, no, I haven't. I haven't said. Oh yeah, Barfly. Is no, no, yeah, yeah, no. Eleven thirty in the morning. I, I'm trying to think if there's another. Like I, I could see like Udonis Haslam, not because he's unhappy, but just sort of grizzled and and semi-retired, and it's just like it makes sense. It's a Thursday, it and he just had nowhere else to go. He wasn't playing tonight, and he was just gonna be like. You know, as well, long as so there's I, a pool table and he can hang out there all day. Yeah, not? yeah. You know, he kind of he like takes up people. Guy walks in at twelve forty five. He's like, "Hey, man, you want to do? You want to play some pool? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll play you in a round. Grab, get, you know, gets ten dollars off the guy. Goes and buys another couple of beers with it. Like I can see him just sort of hanging. Has his dog there. It's like one of those bars that let your dog come in. I can see maybe Haslam being that guy too. Uh, bar manager. I'm gonna go with Kyle Lowry on yep, this. Just that was who I had. The, the consummate floor general, right? Uh, he comes in there after Scanning playing floor, golf, and he yeah. wants everybody snapping right to it. He's got all this energy, and everybody kind of like rolls their eyes, but you know they kind of <laughs> have to listen to what he says. Every once in a while, he throws you a kind of bonus or a day off, and he's not too much of a hard ass about it. So I can yeah. see that totally working. Uh, and then the happy hour guy, the happy hour guy, I think is I've got. I'm going to go with with Max. I think okay. he just comes in there. He's ignitable, right? That's what Spo always says. And you want somebody to come in there and bring that spark. You could go with yeah. Tyler too, but I think Tyler's more of an acquired taste. I think Max goes in there and he's like already, you know, he's he knows Jimmy. They flick each other yeah. off. Everything's cool. Grabs a course like, light. Oh, you're running the you're running the touch tunes again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's just going there. He can shoot pool with UD. He can kind of hang with Duncan, yeah, put yeah. an arm around him, be like, hey, you'll hit a three, buddy. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> just leave me alone with my drink. Uh, and Gabe sits him down. I could see him having a deep conversation. Then he just takes off after like four yeah. or five tricks and he's out. That's good. Probably uh, yeah, I runner, I, I agree with you. Runner up would be Bam Adebayo. Comes in after a hard day at work. Wants just a couple of drinks. Guy that kind of lights up every room that he walks into. He, he probably looks good yeah. in his suit, right? And so, you know, you just <laughs> you uh, broad shoulders. You know what I mean? So he comes in, but he brings his mom with him. I don't know how much of a happy hour you're going to have with your. No, mom it's around. before he has to go back. It's before he goes back to mom. It's it's just hey, just <laughs> one quick one after work. I'll say I got held up in a meeting and then. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll have dinner with mom. Uh, it's just, I, need, I just need an hour to myself. That's that's what he's saying. I just need an hour to myself. Uh, I'm sure his mom is great. Uh, all right. I think that's everybody. Yeah, I don't know. Did I forget any bar roles? I'm trying to think. Like the guy that walks in and nobody wants to talk to. I don't know that he'd have anybody like that on their roster. But it's one I thought of. I just couldn't think of anybody that would that would play that character. And nobody wants to talk to you. Because there's always that no. one guy who walks in and you're just like, oh, he's here. All right. All right. And then you kind of just turn. And act like you're busy. You start the conversation with the guy next to you. But he's there that often anyway. That he's there all like, the time, just... and he expects people to talk to him. But everybody knows once he walks in, nobody wants to talk to him. Ooh, but like nobody's on. That's the... a good one. But it's it's a it's a real role in real life. I just don't know that anybody on this team qualifies. I, I, I'd say close is probably. <laughs> I feel like I'm trashing, but I think it's kind of Tyler too. Like he comes in there, probably thinks he's got a lot more swerve than he does. 
he's like jazzing everybody up but it's kind of like again you know you kind of right. acquire tastes like oh no i just i wanted to go to my little hole in the wall and you know just nurse a drink all day in duncan's case or something like that i don't necessarily want to hear about your exploits with this girl or that girl right. or tyler's like, like give that, me so. give me the touch tunes jimmy and jimmy's like no this is my offense running it my way <laughs> tyler's like no we're gonna run pick and roll what are we talking about again uh <laughs> what a metaphor here what a metaphor this season has become all right, thanks again for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked On Heat on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Ring the bell to get notified as soon as new episodes go up. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining me, David. <laughs> Absolutely, Wes. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.